The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry and I welcome two great guests. Former wrestler and current commentator with AAA Lucha Libre and All Elite Wrestling, Hugo Savinovich, joins us to talk about his incredible journey in the wrestling business and provides his own first-hand account of the night Bruiser Brody was murdered. Plus, a surprise call-in from WWE superstar Big E. We talk to him about his injury rehab, and with Mother's Day just around the corner, we talk about his infatuation with a certain WWE superstar's mom. For the first time ever on Busted Open, the great Hugo Savinovich joins us. Hugo, how are you today? Uh, turn it out. Doing fantastic, guys. Mark, oh. Dave, that's why I made it happen. You made, you made because, this happen, Mark. Because when you started telling me, like, man, I am such a big fan of Hugo, and then you told that story. I don't know if we have it on file. But you told a story about uh, being in a bar and having a conversation with Hugo. No, and and, and you or, know or you was having a conversation with Fox. Yeah, let me right? let me let me tell the story for okay, Hugo. You tell maybe the story. and and who knows? Maybe once I tell this story, he might hang up and not be with us for a first time on Busted Open. But it was around SummerSlam 2009 out in L.A. And I was at the, at the bar, and there were all the wrestlers at the bar, and I had a couple of employees with the WWE that I was friendly with, and um, I was having a conversation with Alicia Fox that I really don't remember much because I was I got to be honest with you I've had I had a few too many vodkas, and then in the I'm, so I'm having a conversation with Alicia Fox, we're talking, and in the corner of my eye, walking into the hotel was Hugo Savinovich. And I got so excited that, first of all, I dropped the vodka. It went all over my shirt. And I ran over to Hugo. And I was like, Hugo! Like, I mean, this is a guy I grew up watching. So <laughs> the next morning I wake up and I get up and I look at my camera. I see my picture with Hugo Savinovich. I'm all happy. And then I remember, oh, my God, I completely blew off Alicia Fox to go talk to the legendary Hugo Savinovich. So this is the first time I get to speak to you, sir, since that fateful evening back in 2009. Thank you very much. It's part of, it's part of my, uh, my life, a wrestling lucha. It's, you know, I started this dream in Ecuador when I was five years old. I knew back then uh, when I saw Santo, uh, the silver mask hero of Mexico, I saw on TV in Ecuador, and I told my mother, I want to be a wrestler, and that was, that was it, five years old. And then by 14, I was a math wrestler, the assassin panther wrestling, and, you know, the rest is history. 
And that's what I think a lot of fans don't realize is you had a great career in the ring uh, as a manager, obviously as a commentator. So, um, I mean, it's, it's just such a rich history. How did you first get involved in pro wrestling? Yeah, it was, it was like I said, that's five years old. I, I had that, that dream. And then I came to the United States from Ecuador. We lived in the Bronx, and uh, it was 138th Street and uh, between Willis Avenue and, and Brook Avenue, and it was tough. So I, I, I had already started when I was like five years and a half uh, old in Ecuador. I was actually like a street fighter. By by that was what I love. I love fighting, and I went from one neighborhood to another, and just fighting people in Ecuador. Really? So, so it was like it was like uh, I love to fight. It was not like being a bully on attacking people, just fighting bigger kids. I, I used to love to do that. Even the the soccer uh, we call football, it, I did illegal stuff. Just getting myself into the position of always having to be ejected from the games. And uh, when I came to the States in the Bronx, just walking the streets, it was very, very rough. And I, w I went to Digwood Clinton High School in the Bronx, and I found out through a, through a friend that there were some Puerto Rican guys that had a boxing and wrestling gym in 156th in St. Anne. That was very close to that uh, police prison that was made famous for Apache, the Bronx. That was just like three or four blocks away from that police prison. So you have to go through like three uh, uh, areas of gangs and the thieves and criminals and all that just to make it to the gym. And I found out that they were there. We went. It was, an, it was like a movie, like an abandoned building that uh, had a factory, was still working, but, but it, was, it, was, uh, it was not with the, the right uh, documents. So everything was like uh, hidden. And there was a, a boxing gym and wrestling called Sixto Escobar Sporting Club. Sixto Escobar was the first Puerto Rican to win the world's uh, uh, boxing title, lightweight, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they had wrestling. Toro Maldonado, uh, Johnny Rivera, who then became Invader 3 in Puerto Rico, and uh, 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 Chief Cherokee, who was Steve King in the old uh, Wide World Wrestling Federation. And I started training then uh, and cleaning up the 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 gym and all the the shows they had we had to carry the rings and uh, you know some ballrooms uh you have to pay and dues yeah you have mm -hmm. to, yeah you have to do this this shows where uh the you put the truck on the sidewalk sidewalk and then get the, the older ring to the big windows and then have the wrestling shows and people that were already professionals changed their name to work there so they would not be punished by the New York State Athletic Commission. Guys like S.D. Jones will work with names like Johnny Magoo and uh, Johnny Roth had like a different name and they work on this shows and uh, I broke in by 14. I was already a, a professional wrestler with the mask. Faked my identity so I could wrestle in Connecticut and Jersey. <laughs> yeah, the New York area, I did not take a chance because they would put you in jail for messing with the documents. I was very strict. So by 14, uh, by my fourth match, uh, I worked for Antonino Rocca, who was promoting with uh, an Italian gentleman in the area of Connecticut. And that was like my first big payday. It was three shows, and he paid me $75 per 
per each show. And at that time, you, if you got 25 bucks, that was like huge money. I got 75 for each show. And the owner, uh, uh, the promoter, had, um, the Italian gentleman had those Italian uh, cold cuts. So I, I ended up having a gigantic mortadella uh, and salami to, to, bring, <laughs> to bring back bring back home. So it was good. That is awesome. Like, you know, you know, I always uh, talk about New York with you guys whenever we're together. And um, uh, I, I, I'm, my apartment is like in the 140s on, on a convent right between Amsterdam and St. Nick. And I, I remember uh, in the early 2000s going up to like 156 where you were talking about, it was still yeah. dangerous. It was uh -huh. still dangerous back in 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 the early two thousands, and and people yeah. used to be like, man, you don't you don't have no security, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm my own security, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, it was, but I yeah. wasn't stupid, I wasn't out there walking around at night. Uh huh, and and it was like you have to make your presence felt. Walking from 138th Street to 156th in St. Anne, I had you remember those old Coca Cola bottles that were like thick. I had I had the, the yes, broken sir. bottle, broken bottle of that Coca Cola, and that was my security blanket to make it through uh, the streets. The first uh, date you had to really, uh, you know, either either you fought or you had to pay money to go through some areas or uh, you know get get robbed and beat up, and I and I wasn't about to do that. So that was that, uh, and I narrate that story. I have a book in Spanish called Atangana, Ring of Temptations. Uh, hopefully, we'll get that translated uh, soon. I've been I've been fighting for this last year and a half. My wife has been fighting cancer, so I've been really. Oh man, really, bless uh, your heart, man. Yeah, I've been really fighting with that, and once we get that through and we win that battle, then then we're gonna go through, uh, you know, translating into English. It's 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 a really not because I wrote it. It took two years of my life, uh, and it just it narrates the story of a kid. Uh, in Ecuador, we're at five years old, fell in love with wrestling, and at the same time had the, the temptation with the gangs and everything. So that was the whole battle go, coming through in New York. It was like you had to be uh, brave enough to survive and not stupid to get killed. So it had to be like a right balance, a right balance. You know, you, you know, go, uh, oh, go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. Hugo, you... Um... You know I'm about solutions. We sit around and talk at shows, at pay-per-views, and we would just talk about how to fix stuff. Um, I know a guy that's a, a book writer, and when before you get off the phone, I want to give you his number, and I'm sure that you know, being a seasoned uh, book writer, especially of wrestling books, he will be able to get that done for you. Thank you, Get that thank translation you. done. I mean, that's... If, if you would like. Yes, yes. Let me have the number. It's always good to, to get a hold of people that have been doing stuff. And you know, there, there's not such a thing as you knowing everything every that's, day. You know, you get you the bet. opportunity to, to, to do better. And it's amazing. And, and that's what I love about Mark, uh, is that Mark is a solution guy. When there's, when there's a problem... 
you know, Mark tries to find that solution because he has that kind of heart. So I, I hope I hope that works out. And 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 please, you know, our blessings too when it comes to your wife, Hugo. And yeah, we're and, praying for you, man. I mean, that's that's you know, and he and Mark is absolutely right. We'll be praying for you. I'm sure our fan base will be praying for you too. And please, you know, and and you go like you have such a decorated career. I first discovered you, and I'm I'm a Jersey guy. I grew up in New Jersey, but I was a big NWA guy. And the only way I was able to watch Mid-Atlantic Wrestling was on Saturday afternoons on Channel 41, and you were the commentator. Yes, boy, those, those were good, good, solid shows with good storylines and guys like the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, when you had uh, when you had all this uh, the boogeyman Jimmy Valiant, yep. you had you had Tully Blanchard, you had Ric Flair, you I mean there were like some of the best guys in the business there. How did you get involved with, with that? Because because again in Jersey, that's the only way we were able to watch Mid Atlantic Wrestling. I I would have to think I wasn't the only Italian kid watching Hugo Savinovich on commentator for Mid Atlantic Wrestling in the middle of New Jersey. Yeah, it was at the, at the time uh, the main owner of the NWA out of uh, Charlotte was Mr. Jim Crockett, and that guy was so good to me. Uh, he he wanted to run New York, and he was conscious of the big Spanish population. Mm-hmm. And uh, their their goal was to uh, sell out the New Jersey. Uh, I don't remember the, the building's name now. The, it was the Meadowlands. Yeah, at that time, I don't know if it was the Continental Airlines Arena at that time. It was or, uh, Brendan Byrne Arena. Yeah, it was one of those weird names. And uh, the deal was we were going to present Night of Champions. I still have that magazine somewhere. And the cover, it had the Road Warriors, uh, the logo of the NWA, and also had uh, the main event was... uh, Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. Ric Flair against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And we promoted that, and it was uh, like 17,000 fans. It was raining in New York for three days. And it was Night of Champions through that uh, Spanish show in New York. Because later on, they did Channel 5 in English also. But at the time, that was it. It was the Spanish show, and we had the English promos with the big stars. And I did a translation, and it was beautiful. The fans got to see something different from the Worldwide Wrestling Federation uh, days and it was a fantastic show with solid matches. It was. It was. An, I was. I was in the uh, Brendan Byrne Arena that day for for that show. And uh, again, if it, if it wasn't for you, you going. If it wasn't for the NWA being on Channel Forty One on Saturday afternoons, you know, I never would have been in that arena. So even though I had no idea what the hell you were talking about, you know, you were you were the voice for for Mid Atlantic Wrestling for me. Yes, and at, at, at that evening uh, at the arena in Jersey, I was also the ring announcer, and it was the first time that the wrestling aficionados had. A ring announcer doing the show in English and Spanish, yep. which was which was crazy because uh, it, you know New York had always been solid with just English, and then we were we were like in many ways Jim Jim uh, uh, Crockett was ahead of his time 
because he had the vision that you have to have that solid wrestling, but you also have to increase that, that showmanship part to get new fans. And at that time, it was, a, it was not really what a lot of the old-timers wanted. They wanted more, you know, mat wrestling and, and you know, just the old uh, angles and uh, Crockett wanted to have better production and and he did believe in solid storyline matches but he knew that he had to grow the product by putting more uh storylines with with good characters involved was there a wrestler that <clears throat> you came up with that you thought would have translated anywhere like a, a guy that he was just so damn good that um, you thought that he would, he could go anywhere in the country. Yeah, because at a time like like when when I broke it into the managing part, because I did twenty years as a wrestler. I did the heel part with the blonde hair in, in the Caribbean, and uh, I was twice world light heavyweight champion at NWA with the idol in Dominican Republic was Jack Benano, and we used to sell out. I was the heel guy, and I translated that character into the. Uh, masculine baby doll. The Muñecasa was the manager of guys like Abdullah the Butcher. In Spanish, I would come in with Abdullah. Mi monstruo, mi máquina, Abdullah, Abdullah. And that was like my monster, my machine. And, and we would sell out all the stadiums from Puerto Rico to the to the Caribbean islands, Port of Spain. And we were blessed by having the young guys from Japan and American wrestlers like uh, Scott Hall was Cowboy Scott Hall back then. I uh, had no idea that he was going to become Razor Ramon, uh, David Spidey, uh, the legendary Mr. Muta. I put him under a mask with the name of the Super Black Ninja. So you had all these uh, young American guys making a name uh, before they were huge in uh, WCW or the WWF. So we, we, were, we, were, we were in an island uh, that was very much blessed by, by having... All this, all this beautiful young talent that later on will become legends. I was, I was 15 years old when gorgeous, uh, maybe 16. I was 16 years old, and by that time, that time I had already worked with guys like Red Bastine, uh wow. and Jose Lotario, uh, a young Bob Backlund, uh, Steve Kern, all the guys from Florida Championship Wrestling to the Mexican guys. And uh, Eddie Graham uh, assigned the company I was working for to have Paul Ondorf, a young uh, college American football player, stiff, probably stiffer than the Road Warriors when they broke in. And, uh, and Garvin and myself were uh, in charge of not only training him uh, so he won't hurt himself and especially others, but also to teach him the, to, to teach him the ropes about uh, you know, how you survive in the business because uh, Eddie Graham didn't want him to have uh, a situation with guys back then that they didn't care if you were blessed by the owner of the company to become the next star. If you didn't show respect, they will hurt you. So, uh, so our, <laughs> duty, our duty was to, to teach Wonder, uh before he became Mr. Wonderful, wow. how to how to be a wrestler, but also how to behave in this fraternity we call professional wrestling. So that was like a like school days for him, and and look at where he got to to be. With the exception of Hulk Hogan, everybody else uh, worked in Puerto Rico. I used to manage guys like Mr. Fuji. They lived in the island. 
Dutch Mantel, uh, Cowboy Frankie Lane, all the all the all the guys that if you were not working for Vince Father or Bern Gagne, you wanted to work in Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico was was hot, and not only that, but you ran places like like Trinidad and sell out uh, the stadiums, twenty five thousand people at the National Stadium. We did an angle back then, uh, boxing against wrestling, where we had smoking Joe Fraser. The boxer against the half owner of the company, Javika, and we put in more than twenty five thousand people at the stadium. With average wow. tickets back then, uh, the general admission was like twenty five dollars, which was unheard of to to do that. And we did it. So Puerto Rico at at that time had the best talent international. Their show called Aniversario was like the WrestleMania, and you had tourists come over from the states, from Canada, from. Uh, other places, because you had the, the show that I did was in English. It was called Caribbean Championship Wrestling. But the Spanish one went all the way down to South America. Rip, rip, you, you had uh, you had Rip Rogers working down there, too, didn't you? Yes, he did the English with me. And I, I still treasure uh, not, only, not only working with him doing the shows, but just the stories. When you are blessed to have uh, stories with guys like Dutch Mantel and Rip Rogers. These guys were so talented in the ring and storytelling outside the ring. And they, they would just crack you up because they were, they were just so creative. You know, Hugo, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch. Uh, you know, we were talking all day on our show, Mark and I, about Dark Side of the Ring. And one of the latest episodes was on the death of Bruiser Brody. Is is there anything you could share about that night? Yeah, it's a lot of the stuff that you see there. It, it it's wrong. It, it it's it's not. Uh, it, they have, you know, when you make a movie based on something real, and they tell you it's based on something that happened. Well, all these documentaries and stuff like that. That's what you see. Something bad really happened. Something that should never should have never happened. Uh, the the killing of Bruce Brody. Two guys went in into this shower at a at a baseball stadium called Lubriel Stadium in Bayamon. I had been there at seven o'clock to do interviews, and that was look how destiny is. That night, instead of me waiting to do the promos after the, the, the show, because I used to take that into WAPA TV, and uh, I had permission from the owners to do uh, uh, at the news booth. I will, they put the tape, and I will narrate that live to push for the Sunday show. There was no big angle happening that night, so I just did some regular promos. And uh, obviously you didn't have what you have now, the Internet and all that. It was you know either the beeper or calling on a regular phone. My friend, the doctor, Hector Gonzalez, he calls me and he tells me, uh, this is what happened, you know? And at that moment, they didn't know that he, that Frank, Frank and I were very good friends for years. The book that I, that I wrote called Atangana Ring of Temptations tells the story of one match where I had, I was in the process of becoming the commentator of play by play. So they switched me from heel to various faith and Barabbas, the bad guy stole my army. So I was teaming up with my enemy, Carlos Colon, against Barabbas and Bruce Brody. Sold out uh, Coliseum, uh, Diana, who's my wife, was my girlfriend at the time. And out of that craziness, uh, Frank, Bruce Brody had Carlos 
uh, on his knees. He was working the trapeze muscles area. And something lit up in my crazy mind that I should go in and bite Frank in the ass. And, and you know those ideas that you know at the time, uh, uh, it sounds like you should do it, and then something tells you, maybe not. Well, I didn't listen to it, maybe not. So I went in and bit Frank Bruiserberry right on the left cheek of his butter, his ass. I mean, not the working bite, but like a real bite. Oh. Not, yeah, not enough to hurt him, but enough to... A nibble. It, yeah. For him and, to know that you did it. Yeah, and when I did that, Frank turned over and he said, I'm going to kill you, Hugo. And that was it. He let Carlos go, and he was chasing me around the ring. And this guy, for 305 pounds, Frank would do, uh, uh, you know, like the uh, squat. He would do like over 2,000 before each match. There was no way that you could stop Frank. I don't care how big you were, how tough of a shooter or whatever you want to call it, where this guy was in top shape. And he was chasing me, the owner of the company, Carlos. He got out of the ring, intercepted him, exchanged punches. I went into the finish. Two of the Mexican flying topes, one of the top ropes, did the flying splash, the body press from there, the count of three, the place went crazy. And then out of nowhere, it became like a silent movie from Charles Chaplin, era of the black and white <laughs> movies. And I saw the face of my uh, then girlfriend, who was my wife for the last 29 years, uh, Diana, wow, and everything went silent. And I did not know that Frank had stopped Carlos, and at the time, I don't know if you remember that they had those old, uh, like, iron, almost metal, heavy chairs, the old-fashioned mm -hmm. ones, and he took that chair and hit me so hard in the back. My, it was like my, my back was, boom, hit so hard, my knees were crumbling, my mind said, bye, and that was like, I, I went out on my feet. And I couldn't get up. Carlos came in, punched him, and all of that. Baby places come in. And for over, I don't know, over maybe 22 years, I had like uh, moments where I had like a, a paralysis. I would go, I'd be doing a big show, and I would just, I couldn't walk. Tears would be coming out of my eyes. And, you know, thank God about three years, I, uh, uh, God gave me the opportunity to be healed from that. And I didn't, I, I haven't had those pains. But that happened. So, with Frank, was always like we would get in trouble for many, many things, uh, me and him, or him and me. And mm -hmm. on that night, on that night, uh, uh, Tony Apple was on the card. But if you've been to a, a baseball stadium dress room, you see those small cages where the guys hang their things and they sit. And then as you walk in that stadium, there will be like those plexiglass, but heavy, thick uh, glass doors yeah. into the shower. So the shower was locked in through that door, and you might hear something, but there's no way unless you're inside that you could know what the heck is happening. So we know that uh, that uh, two guys went in, the invader, Jose Huertas, and uh, Frank uh, Bruce Brody, and after the screaming happened, uh, he was sad. So we know that whatever happened, happened uh, with him and Jose, they never found the weapon, and whatever you hear or they tell you in a documentary, nobody, nobody saw it because it was inside of a shower in a baseball stadium. Obviously, you know that it was two guys there, one 
uh, died, and Frank died not because of the uh, of, of the stabbing wound, but because he had been taking aspirins for the headache, and they could not stop the bleeding. Uh, but the the real story behind that is this not didn't happen just at the state. They have had their uh, runs in for years uh, through the Vince Father's territory and other markets, and that uh, you know horrible night. That happened. They never found the weapon. He uh, later went to. Uh, they had uh, accused him of the assassination of the baby, and by trial, the jury found him innocent. But uh, uh, whatever happened there, nobody saw it happen. I I I hate the fact that I, uh, this could have been, uh, you know, taken care of in a different way. If you're not happy with one of the talents or whatever, just paying for that weekend. And, you know, let's be friends and let's go. But uh, unfortunately, that did not happen. And it was so, so sad. The two guys were my friends, Frank and and Jose de Inveda were my friends. I was in the middle of a very sad, horrible, horrible tragedy. The widow and the kid uh, came in and I was asked to do uh, the eulogy. And uh, up to this date, you know, that... Uh, and the death of Owen Hart are two of the things that just hit my heart. Obviously, the yeah. Eddie Guerrero also, but the tragedy-wise, uh, the the Frank. Uh, oh, I still say that it should have had not happened, and it was just it was so it sad. It's a horrible and, thing. Yes, and that did not that that was, and I still believe uh, something that should have never happened. That's why I'm careful when I promote and I do my shows uh, uh, around the world. I try to uh, pick not just the best talent, but also people uh, that uh, don't have a reputation of uh, starting fights and situations. Because I, I love to do shows where people have an adventure, a storyline show of almost three hours with the best wrestlers. But that the dressrooms could be a place where you don't have any any bad situations. Any enemies. It's a safe place. Yeah. yeah, we're talking about guys that have emotions and sometimes could turn a little bit wild, and uh, you have to avoid that. And uh, after that tragedy happened, I've been even more careful about uh, booking shows when I'm in charge because, uh, I repeat, that should have never happened. Hugo, thank you so much, man. Like, I, I mean, hopefully you can come back. Like, we, we, we've we had, like, some good guests in the last couple of days, and uh, I, I want to make sure you come back. And and if you, man, you got to promise to come back because this, this we haven't even scratched the surface. We didn't get to talk about Rip Rogers. We didn't get to talk about. Or AEW of, or AAA. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Yuga, are you going to be in New York next week for uh, at, at the Garden for some of these announcements that are taking place? Uh, well, I live in New York, so I, it all depends on uh, if I'm booked on, on doing because I do TV uh, in Mexico. Right now, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. Uh, it's called Space TV, and it's all over Latin America. Like before the Canelo fight, uh, the boxing fight in Las Vegas, our show was the show that aired before the big fight from Vegas. So in Latin America and Mexico, uh, that show airs Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's, it's doing fantastic besides what we do with Twitch. 
and tell the fans that the tickets are on sale for Invading New York, AAA at the Garden, September 15th. It's going to be a huge show with the magic of the lucha culture, and it's a different story when when you just see, like, uh, the Lucha Brothers in one match as uh, when you see the whole culture environment from the first match to the last, it, it is nonstop uh, of the drama, the action, and these guys are some of the best in the world. They will, they will really entertain you and give you about three hours of the best Lucha action in the world, and, and that's September 15th at the Garden, and also uh, working on, on the double uh, or nothing we are uh, we are talking uh to do the spanish pay-per-view i had that i was invited in live tv by cody Rhodes in the middle of the ring in the raid the reyes pay-per-view in mexico and we are talking about uh having me uh myself doing the spanish for double or nothing of uh all of the wrestling so a lot of things are happening well, we gotta have you. We gotta have you on again. We're get, Mark and I are gonna be in Vegas for Starcast, and we do the show here in New York. So, Hugo, we gotta get you on as soon as possible. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you. God bless you guys. Have a beautiful day. And my we'll be praying is, for your oh, life. <laughs> like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. We're on demand with the SiriusXM app. The one and only Big E. Big E, how are you today? I'm quite well, good sir. Quite well indeed. Quite well indeed. Uh, Big E, yeah. I, I, am, I am trolling, man. I'm going to just let you know right now. I've been trolling. And then, man, trolling, trolling. And you have been trolling, too. Why you me- why you messing with that girl, Mama man? Look, why you do that? If you set eyes on that woman and you don't see beauty uh, radiating, just 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 pulsing off of your screen, that's that's not a that's not a me problem. That's a you problem. <laughs> okay, guys, y'all got to go to uh, Florida, man. The WWE Big E Langston Big E, and uh, and see what I'm looking at. And I'm trolling. I'm I'm looking. I'm 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 well, going through social media, and I, I'm I'm checking it with a fine tooth comb, Biggie. And I'm just saying, you have there are five, one, two, three, four pictures of Becky Lynch's mom on here. And and Mark, here's the thing that I think might be the bigger issue. It's a, it's the wallpaper on his Twitter page. Why why is that an issue? That I want uh, Mama Lynch looking over my feed. On a daily basis, I like how she's at the top, just just looking down on, on all that. All that it's uh, it's quite it's quite refreshing, honestly. You gonna so, start uh, a I'm, fight, man? What 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 are you gonna say when Becky walk up to you? Well, she she you're, you're at home injured right now, so it's not like she's gonna come to your house or nothing. But eventually, you're gonna come face to face with Becky, and she's gonna be like, "Listen, man, I need you to stop posting pictures of and saying how my mom is cute." Well, look, she actually, we, I don't know if you checked, but we've been uh, tweeting back and forth, uh, and she very clearly approves of, of me uh, thinking of her mom in this light and us possibly uh, getting together. She even made a reference to me possibly being her new uh, stepfather. Which what? Was, wow. Know, uh, yeah. So uh, as long as I don't have to, you know, she's grown now, so I don't have to pay to raise her, uh, but I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> if it gets me to my end game, if it gets me to my, my goal, 
which is Mama Lynch, then I'll do what I need to. Is, is she into gaming? Do you know if she likes uh, video games? Does she cares about you know your your lifestyle and how you how you navigate life? Uh, Does she know you at all? Yeah, we we met before. Uh, it was trust me, it was a lot more brief than I would have liked. Um, but uh, one day I'll be able to squire her about town. Look, I don't know exactly all of her 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 likes and and needs and turn ons and turn offs. But uh, you know, I'm going to get to the very bottom of all of that. Mark. Whoa, easy, careful yeah. player. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Man. you know, Big E. It would be kind of cool to have a stepdaughter that has two championship titles, though. I mean, that would be kinda right. Cool. Right, I would be very proud of her. My uh, daughter is Becky Two Belts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's something to be proud of. You know, I'm I'm currently childless, so that's that's a good way to start. If you're gonna start with your first child, have have her be a champion, and it's ready made. Like I don't have to wait 20 years for her to turn out to be something decent. She's already there. She's already there, and she doesn't. And here's where you're doing it right, big. And this is where I got to give you a, you know a compliment here. Becky doesn't live with her. So, you know, you don't have the daughter living at home. So it's not going to be getting away. You know, you have your evenings free. You don't have to drive her to school. I mean, this is, I got to give you kudos here, Big E. Yeah, I think I figured it out, honestly, as far as having having kids. This is the best way to do it, where I have no financial responsibility, but I can still (laughs) claim her as, uh, that's my stepdaughter, so proud. Um, So, yeah, that's, that's what I'm into these days. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you talk awesome. about these days, and, and just to step off of this for just a second, not long because I know this is definitely an infatuation of yours, but, I mean, we do have to ask, how are you feeling? How's the recovery going? When can we expect you to be back? Um, you know, I, uh, I had a meniscus uh, repair, and uh, I think I'll be back by 2021. Is That's my goal, you know. I think I'll, uh, a good, if I give myself a year and a half, I think that sounds about right. Uh, you know, you don't want to rush these things. Uh, maybe even 2022, who knows? Maybe I'll take some time off. Take it uh, easy for a while. Right, right. Maybe get some hydraulic knees because uh, this is my fourth knee surgery. So maybe looking into that, some, some go-go gadget legs. I'm, I, might, uh, I might go bionic, actually. So it's, uh, we might go back to the, the drawing boards on that, get some new hardware uh, in there. So yeah, that's that's the plan. And I also give you some time to take some trips with uh, with the Lynch. You know, you know, have some fun and you know, get to know her a little bit better. Exactly. I'm going to be uh, wrapping up the miles with Aer Lingus. I don't know if you know that, but that's, that's uh, an airline that goes to Ireland often. Actually, actually, uh, fun fact: uh, Mama Lynch and Becky Lynch uh, worked for Aer Lingus. So see, they, they, they both. Yeah, they they were uh, air stewardesses. Yes. Wow. God, the yeah, things I'm finding fact. out. Yeah, I don't think about her. I don't think about my my future lady. I've Whoa. done I've done the research. You said it. You you claim that you said my future lady. You got to put it out in the universe, Mark. You know what I mean? If if you if you say it, if you believe it, if you think it, uh, all good things will come from that. So. Uh, I actually made a vision board, and it's just it's just pictures of Mama Lynch. <laughs> well, <laughs> well this, Alex, can can you, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, um, Chris, can you give us a little uh, sexual chocolate, like uh, oh, a little, little slow music, so Big E can kind of serenade off his future baby mama. Wow. Well, while he's getting that ready, there it is. There you there go. This is, is all the, for you, Big E. This is for you. Inspiration. you. You can tell Mama Lynch whatever you want to tell her. 
Well, well, Mama Lynch, uh, you know, I don't want to beat around the bush anymore. I got you running through my mind every day like, like, like you on a treadmill. Just running, and girl, you don't quit. I got a lot of time these days, a lot of free time. You all I think about, you all I tweet about. Mama Lynch, I'm coming. Don't you worry, Mama Lynch. I'm gonna be there real quick. And and that's that's all that you get publicly. Oh, that's good. Rest, that, that, that's rest. beautiful. That's a little, that's a little appetizer. You know what I mean? That was beautiful. I, I got to say the rest for her. That's that's between her and I. So I, I'll just give you. That's a little. That's just an appetizer. But I, I appreciate you putting in that. Put me in that sexual chocolate frame of mind. You know what I mean? Passing, passing the torch. Of Pass the torch. torch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Well, that's good because, Mark, as you know, yesterday you were talking about Patty LaBelle's baked pies. You know, Big E has I'll to get some. Pie. Yeah, Big E has to get a ticket on Aer Lingus and get some Shepherd's pie. So, you know, it's all Ooh. around the same type of thread. I mean, you got to change, you know, your appetite, your culture. He's learning. That's why you got to give Big E a lot of credit, Mark. No, see, that's that Bonafi pie. Oh, the Banafi, yeah, yeah. That Bonafi. You ever heard of Banafi pie, Dave? No, I don't know what Banafi pie is. Oh, wow! It's it's like what is it? It's like bananas, uh, caramel, shaved chocolate with uh, a very thick cream, not like whipped cream like we have Cool Whip over mm-hmm. here, but it's like sour cream, but it's sweet like uh, like um, like whipped cream. It's right. Un- B- Leavable. It's always it's got like a granola. It's not yeah. a granola, but like a graham cracker crust. Ooh, that tastes. Uh, oh, it's, right. it's but you unbelievable. Know, I don't want to. It's kind of dense, and I don't want to be eating heavy meals. It's like it's like you don't want to eat two hours before swimming. I don't want to eat a big banafi uh, pie meal before <laughs> I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You you wow. you see what I'm saying? We do. We I, do. I feel you. I feel you, player. God. Right. 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 Listen, man, I'm wanna, so happy that you're able to come on with us. Is, is there uh, is there anything that you want to promote, like, you know, social media-wise? Uh, if you want to follow me and have your time wasted, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at WWE Biggie. Hit me up on Cameo. I got plenty of time to shout people out. I'm on Cameo. That's right. Uh, I just do stupid videos, birthdays, quinceaneras. Mom, Mother's Day is coming up around the corner. Um. What else? What else do I want to? No, play? no. That's good. Know. That's good for a Mother's Day gift. Get your mom a cameo of Big E coming out yeah. of the shower. Can't think of a better Mother's Day gift than uh, that. Sir, sir, sir. That, coming out of the shower. Got that? With that Ooh, towel that? wrapped around. Yeah, you got the you. towel wrapped around. I'm, I'm just watching it now. Out. I'm on your Twitter page it now. Is. Okay. That that was all right, all right, right. That that was just a little piece. That's not a regular thing. <laughs> that's just to draw people in. I'm that's. That's me throwing out the bait. You can't demand that I just be coming out the shower on a, on a regular basis. So you're a tease is what you're saying. Precisely. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Biggie, what I call you? What's your nickname? I'm not. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not doing this right now. Uh, uh, <laughs> you. You. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Thanks. You I know wish when I knew. you go off the air, I'm going to say it. Oh, that's fine. But let me go then, Mark. <laughs>
Well, Biggie, we appreciate the time. Good luck with everything with Miss Lynch. We oh, hope things man. work out for you, work out for the best, and uh, we hope we get you back in the ring very, very soon. Yeah, yeah, I'll see you back in the ring, I think, uh, 2025. 2025 uh, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, give me another uh, six years. You, you, All right, man. It's so good to talk to you, man. I'm, I'm going to call and check on you periodically now. Oh, wait, wait, really quick. Wait, right, before we let you, wait, wait, really quick before we let you go. Mark, you and I were together at WrestleMania 35 with one of the best moments ever in WrestleMania. Got to ask you about that moment for Kofi and what Kofi is doing as WWE champion. Wow, yeah. No, of course it was incredible. It was, it was incredible for sure. You know, it was um, something that I remember uh, for quite some time. It's, uh, it's interesting, I feel like, uh, being at ringside for Dolph cashing in uh, is was extremely memorable right after WrestleMania 29. Yep. And then also being there uh, ringside for Kofi uh, winning his first world title. So I feel like I'm a bit of a, a good luck charm uh, ringside. Granted, I do nothing in the matches. I... I did nothing against Del Rio. Uh, you did a Dolph, split. Nothing against Brian. But, uh, you know, I'm there. I'm still there. I'm present. But, no, nah, no, nah, we're extremely uh, proud of Kofi, obviously, and everything he's done. Uh, so, yeah, man, it was uh, definitely something I'll never forget. One of, definitely one of the highlights of my career. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And go back to staring at uh, the Lynch picture, please. Oh, yeah. I, I got a lot of things planned for me and Mama don't you worry. All right. Thank you so much. It is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Biggie, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.